Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to The Breakdown. My name is Ron Hummison. I'm your host. Sitting down with me, as always, is Pastor Nick, lead pastor of Calvary Chapel, Lake of the Ozarks. If you're new to the show, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening, thanks so much for joining. Uh, we, as a church, are in the midst of walking through the book of Revelation in a sermon series we're calling uh, Letter to Patmos, um, because... Letter from Patmos. The that's old, sorry. The letter to Patmos would be it. That's true. Would be letter that would from. Make... See, that's where I'm a jerk. Let's just that's call like, it. You've done that a couple times. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. You just called me a jerk a couple times. No. I love it. Um, yeah, letter from Patmos. Letter yes. from Patmos because we. Uh, well, let's just stay on that train of thought. Yeah. Um, because it's written from Patmos. Correct. Um, and we we were trying to I say we like I had any decision you were trying to uh, differentiate between the stereotypical church end times doom and gloom you know yeah going to hell in a handbasket so to speak kind of when you think of Revelation that's normally yeah. what you think of because that's what you think of and then what other book of the Bible is most known but less studied you know what I mean like yeah like yeah. I can't known think of, like a hierarchical level, but not yeah. really known. It's not like oh, when's the last time I read Obadiah? This morning, actually. All, all, yeah, there you go. Yeah, all scripture profitable, but when you think about books of the Bible, and and for some reason Revelation gets such a uh, a top tier, like oh wow, da, da, da. but then when you get into it, how less it's actually studied, yeah. and and when it is, it always has that doom and gloom, and we want to scare. And is it know, really studied? Yeah, like there's there, there's a lot of air quote intellectuals <laughs> on the Book of Revelation. It's like, yeah, no. So that's no. the so trying to break away from that, not for the sake of like trying to be different, but just to have, I I would say a more holistic biblical approach to it in the sense of, like, we we should walk away from Scripture, be encouraged, filled with hope, um, and challenged. And, and sometimes when you hear of other people's study of Revelation, it's like, there's just no hope there. There's yeah, when you said that, I don't know if you did that the week coming into uh, Revelation or the—it might have been that first week, and you're like, hey, this is, this is a book of hope, and I, like, in my head went— Shut up, Dan. There's not <laughs> a chance in the world anything about this book yeah. is hopeful. You know, it's because, like, all I've—even growing up in the church, all I've ever heard, you know, yeah. end times, the Antichrist— weird animals and beasts like just all of these different things and so you said that and i was like well this is gonna be interesting yeah now it's gonna get uh here in a couple weeks it's it's about pretty hairy you know it's gonna get what i would consider um probably the most well-known portion of revelation where like this is this is the portion so i'm excited to. and that's what's crazy like when you think of a book like revelation and then there is this well-known part of it why is that you know, like, mm. wh- why is that part so elevated with the seven? It, it's the seven seals is yep. what we're going to talk about. You know, like that for some reason that one gets so elevated. Um, and and I think it's that's not a correct use yeah. of it yeah. to over elevate one part over the of the whole that John is trying to write, obviously, through the leading of the Holy Spirit. So it's not. If we only look at Revelation, like you said, for the mark of the beast, for anything satanic, for just the seven seals, we're 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 chopping off parts of the like we're mm-hmm. not getting the fullness that God wants us to have through it. And it's like stopping a movie um, in in the most 
like in the middle of the movie in the most like harrowing, crazy, like what is going to happen? How does this end? Oh, pause. yeah. Pause and walk away. That's stupid. Yeah. Like nobody does yeah. that. You want to like, there, it is difficult. It is going to be hard. It is going to challenge us, but you have to have the full story in it. But so many times when you cherry pick and just take certain, not even just verses, but just portions of scripture, specifically here, revelation, the seven seals, like, you're going to cause a lot yeah. of confusion because yeah. of it, because we're we're not looking at any part of Revelation from the whole. We're not having that lens of hope and of the gospel in and through it. We we removed that by only doing a section or yeah. little pieces or whatever. And so, yeah, trying to bring a a, a holistic flair where when we are done and we hit Revelation 22 and, and like we close the book and like there's our study of Revelation. Like we should be the most kind Christian. Mm. We should be the most loving Christian, the most l- joyful Christians. We should be the saltiest salt. We should yeah. be the, you know, the lightest light that there is because of our study in the word. It shouldn't be, okay, now everybody run by ammo, buy water, yeah. buy food, get in your basements, you know, don't take anything that is going to be on your forehead or your hand. Like yeah. that's... And it's just, uh, I, for me, I mean, even down to the graphics. Yeah. You're like, I don't want red, black. I don't want dark colors. <laughs> and I was that's like, all they oh, were. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> so pretty much you want nothing that everybody else So we done. went white. So we went white. Yes. As far opposite as possible. <laughs> so, so, yeah. That's the letter from Patmos. That's the middle of our study that we're in. And so right now, just walking through the seven churches. Yep. Which been kind of fun. <laughs> it's He's got a smile. It's no, it has been fun because on one hand, it's been everything that I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's been absolutely nothing that I thought it would be. So everything in the sense of everything that I thought it would be in the sense of kind of like hard hitting, yep. but not for the reasons that I would would have expected or approached revelation mm-hmm. with. And so it's been fun because as we've walked alongside with the podcast, uh, we've had people tell us like, Hey, it's getting harder and harder. Like not in uh, understanding, yeah. but in challenge. Like yes. you guys are, you, you're you're past the line of offense, mm. and you're just diving into, yeah. you know. And so that's been fun. And so today, that's kind of so uh, where we're at. I want to. I've I'm I'm enjoying poking the bear. I it's, love this. It's, and I don't and know, I know where you we're going. It. You you were trying to tell me like, hey, do you? Uh, no, I don't want to know. So well, because I don't is, have like an exact question because no, it's, it's easy right. to like lob yeah. it up like, hey, here's the question. Let's answer yeah. it. But so this is live action. This is live action, nope. which is every week. It's not Pretty like much. this yeah. is any different. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. we did uh, on Sunday, which was yesterday, because yep. um, the office is closed tomorrow. But uh, on Sunday yesterday, we did Revelation three, uh, the church at Sardis. Yep. Um, and so. So much of of what you said, highly offensive, <laughs> in the best way possible. Like if you have not listened, we I mean we try to plug the sermon yeah. again. You don't have to listen to it. You're not gonna like you're not gonna miss out in the sense of like you'll still know what we're talking about yeah, per yeah, se. Sure. If you're gonna listen to any sermon out of Revelation, at least for me, this mm-hmm. by far was the most challenging. Oh, okay. Um, in a lot of respects. Now, oh. if you're trying to, 
if you're trying to approach Revelation to deconstruct maybe some things that the world has constructed, probably not super helpful. Yeah. Um, but just for me and my own faith journey, uh, it was incredible. Like I'm still chewing through yeah. through some of the things. And so I had some- somebody stop me yesterday. Yeah. Because um, we went and watched some fireworks or whatever, and they were there. And and this person has studied Revelation. This is not their first rodeo. Not their first rodeo. Private study and through you know formal biblical education, and said uh, that that's what I'm going to have to go back and and listen to again. That yeah, one was it's really star and asterisk. Yes, like yeah. And I don't. There's sometimes when I'm up there that I think, all right, this one's going to hit. To be honest, I didn't feel that way with this one. For me personally, now there's challenges yeah, yeah. it to me, but I didn't feel like it was the one that I'm like I'm swinging for the fences. So for about. me, I always feel like when I preach, yeah. when I feel like it was a complete bomb, that's, that's it, usually okay. the ones that people are like, yeah. "That was really hard." And I'm like, yeah. I felt like that was flat. And they're like, <laughs> and the ones I feel really good about, it's like yeah. the Lord used it at home. You're like, man, this could be a great message. You walk on stage, you're like, it was mediocre at yeah. best, you know. And you say that, and it's so funny because then I think of like we had multiple families that were visiting, and it's like, oh, hey, welcome to our church, okay. and open up your Bible, and here's your. Not only teeth. are we doing Revelation, yeah. this is your first exposure, and we're just going to go at it. And so, yeah. uh, so what you got? What so you got? the church at Sardis, uh, a couple things that you said uh, yesterday that that stood out to me. So you talked about um, have we lost our fizz? So the church at Sardis had become flat. Yeah. Um, a, a very small, minute section that had stayed true. Um, and so that for me is what I've been chewing on. Yeah. Because here's where I take it for me personally. Um, have we, as Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks, lost our fizz? Ooh, let's go. Um, and have I, mm-hmm. um, as a pastor who helps lead, mm-hmm. lost my fizz? And just as a believer and follower of Jesus, <laughs> have I lost my fizz? Um, and so two other things you said that will play into this. So you said, we as Christians can be offensive. If we're going to be offensive, let's be offensive with the gospel, not our ideologies, our preferences, or anything else that doesn't matter. Politics? Did I say that? Did I say you that? did say politics. <laughs> I was trying to write down as quickly as you were talking while switching and doing online. Yeah. Like So I'm like in the middle of trying to, oh. I don't want to miss this because this will be great. Yeah. Um, but here, I love, you said Christianity is massively offensive. Yeah. Maybe you didn't say quote, but this is how it is. Christianity is massively offensive, but let's not water it down because we're afraid of the bruise that it might leave mm. rather than the life-saving measure that will save someone's life. So you did. I really said that? That's what I I think you paraphrased got it. Out of it. That I'm paraphrasing. Really good. That sounds uh, good. No, if it sounds really good, it's definitely <laughs> you said <laughs> it. Um, so... Uh, and then the last thing, just to play into that, the church in Sardis is dead asleep and decaying because they've lost their heart for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so here's here's the question. Have we both, uh, if you call Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks home, or if you call yourself a believer, have mm-hmm. we lost our heart for Jesus? And if we have, do we even realize it? Oh, or have yeah. we duped ourselves into believing that we're, we've become just like uh, to, to pull a group out of scripture, have we just become like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, yeah. where we've made our own gospel and we are out to push our own gospel agenda and not the word of God? Um, and then the last thing wrote was, are we more worried about the bruise that we might leave on someone's spiritual life rather than the life-saving measures of having a hard conversation with them? Yeah. And so as I'm as I'm chewing through yesterday for me, um, 
I didn't like where I've come. <laughs> if we're being completely honest. Well, this um, whole message was for you, Duran. I'm actually like as I was writing it, the Lord good. said, <laughs> probably not the healthiest. Way, like, um, but for me, and and so hear hear my heart and what I'm saying. Yeah. I think if you're a pastor, if you're a leader that's listening, um, I think the church uh, always needs to continually improve. Yep. Like if, if we ever as leaders wake up and say, oh, we've we've arrived, you are in the, in my opinion, the most dangerous place to be. Yes. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. This is not a knock against our church or any other specific church. Yeah, because we always want to tread lightly. We don't want to beat the bride. Never never want to beat the bride. But at the same time, trying to find that happy medium of how do we how do we encourage, how challenge. do we challenge, yeah, and in a way that's not offensive and yep. not like, but how do you have, like for my wife and I, we, you know, we had to learn in our marriage how to fight. Yeah. And we were both probably raised um, seeing um, unhealthy fighting within the marriage and kind of being told from the, the church side that fighting is bad or unhealthy. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, 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 like bad fighting yeah. is bad. But mm. to have a hard conversation for the edification of one of us and our marriage. And so in the same way, we want to do that and not be afraid to ask questions and yeah. not necessarily point the finger and say, oh, you're so bad. We don't want to yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, but even more personally for me, um, that have I lost my fizz? Mm. Oh man, like super, super, super challenging. I mean, it's not even been a f- twenty-four hours, and I'm just going. A- am I? Am I that flat drink that yeah. you are longing for, and that when you taste it, it's probably that much worse because yeah. you're, ex- you know, and yeah. and so you know, as you were as you were preaching yesterday, some of the 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 biggest thing for for me that I was thinking of is as a church have we lost our fizz and if we have have we duped ourselves into believing that what we're doing is God led God ordained yeah. like we are moving by the spirit and in reality we're just going through the motions that's good like we're we're not even we're not having a heart attack we're dead there is no resuscitating yeah i i think we could stop here <laughs> we'll pick back up next week. We'll pick it back think, up next week. Think on no, that. Honestly, like just hearing your heart and just um so number one, I think we always need to be thinking through this. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, nobody's mm-hmm. ever arrived. So we always need to think. And we need to know, yes, to some degree, we have lost our fizz. Yeah, because there's always that sense that if you're always continually if you never arrive, yeah. I mean until we die and yeah. see Jesus face to face, like that's the culmination, but yep. anything before death mm-hmm. um, is still in process. They're still in process. Uh, have we moved from being maybe not as uh, fizzy yeah, in with, process, or we're just completely yeah. flat? Like, yeah, what's the speed of the road there? Because after we get yes. going for a while, we slow down. You yeah, know? and uh, there's couple different ways we could go. There's a few things that I'm just thinking of. Um, what we what we never... 
And you have to define like when we're talking about losing our fizz, losing our hearts, you know, because it's easy for a bunch of Christians to sit around and complain about what they see problems with the church. Mm. So we were in our college life group last night and it was fun because I asked that question. It's kind of impromptu as we were talking about the sermon. I said, where do you think we as a church, you know, capital C, not just Calvary Chapel, but maybe yeah. we're included. Where do you think we've lost our fizz? And and the responses from the college students was good. Um, but what I noticed, which was even better, so like one person brought up, I think the church just does like child care instead of children's ministry. Mm. Not not speaking of Calvary Chapel, yeah. which I appreciate. Um, but what was neat was that person is in children's ministry and serves on that team. Mm. So every person that brought up something that was an issue that where the church could lose their fizz, uh, at the same time, they were standing the line to guard against mm. and to fight against it. They weren't talking about it yeah. from the outside looking so, in. So that's where I think we need to frame the conversation a little bit, is it is good for us individually and holistically, corporately as the church, to look at ourselves, look at the Word of God as a mirror looking yep. at ourselves, but what we're not going to be is a circle of dudes that are just going to beat the bride mm -hmm. and do nothing about it. Yeah. Like It is good to evaluate it's almost like after action. Mm -hmm. We do that a lot after events. We do an after action report and we talk through what went well, what didn't go well, vice versa, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Da, da, da. We need to do the same thing with the church, but the issue is we just can't stop there. Which is, if it even gets that point, <laughs> where where yeah. the... Because, and, and, even, and even framing that out a little bit more, it's one thing to complain about the church. It's one thing to correct the church. Mm. And, and even we as pastors, yes, we need to live above reproach, above reproach, but we don't live above correction either. Yeah, that's how I define reproach. <laughs> yeah, and that's the problem. Because that's the answer we think, like we yeah, hear, yeah. Yeah, we, we live above reproach. That means you can't correct me, and it's like, actually, that's wrong. And so so for us, we don't need to complain about the church. Um, um, I forgot how we need to critique. There's one thing to be critical and there's one thing to critique mm -hmm. so many people it and it's a it just like gossip it's an easy thing to fall into that we're critical we're we're complaining um and really what we want to do is just try to exploit the negative things that yeah. we don't like about it um and and in a sense i think what we're doing is trying to elevate ourselves above that because we we live under the concept broad brush right now mm -hmm. That as long as we can complain and, and be critical of something like that, it's actually from a place of pride mm, because yeah, yeah. we live in this fairy tale imagination that, oh, if I was in charge and if I was calling the shots, it wouldn't be like this. And so we boost you can our, gladly have my job any day you want. Just <laughs> so see. we so we boost ourselves up in this figment of our imagination to think, oh, this is what I hate about the church. And if I was in charge, it wouldn't be and it wouldn't be that. And it's like, OK. You know, and, and understand what that is. I mean, yep. that is pride. That is, and and so we have to frame it like where, where do we want 
uh, where do we want the church to grow? What do we want to do? So instead of being critical, instead of complaining, it is good to correct. It is good to prune yeah. um, in the same way that we need that in our lives. And the Lord chisels us. He prunes us. He disciplines us so that we would grow in our effectiveness, grow in the fullness that he has for us. And so in the same way, we have to look at the church and do the same thing. But it's two different hearts that you're coming from. And if you have that critical spirit where you're just complaining and you just want to beat the bride, uh, it would actually be better for you just to keep your mouth shut. Mm. Mm. Because there's nothing more frustrating than to point out all the problems and bring no solutions and then act like you're better than all of it. That's what I do in staff all the time. <laughs> and it, it is, you know, I had to learn that. Like, it, that is hard. It, it is, I, I can point out issues so quick, mm-hmm. um, but, and not even am I willing to bring solutions, but am I, am I willing to be the solution? Am I willing yeah. to step into that? Yeah. And that's the issue there where, you know, Jesus is telling Sardis, you know, hey, there's a few names that haven't soiled themselves. <laughs> haven't crapped their pants of ministry is kind of how I hear right. Jesus saying it. That's, that's you in know? your Bible. Paul, Paul would say it a different way, you know, haven't rubbished your pants yet, which is a, we can get into that topic later, but <laughs> Paul is such a cusser in the Word of God. But, you know, they, there's a few that they haven't done that. And, and no matter what was going on in the culture around them in Sardis, what was going on in the culture of the church, there were a few that, nope, we're holding fast, we're going to mm. be the change that we want to see in the church. And, and I think the church always needs to be going under Reformation. Mm-hmm. Because that, you know, when we think about the Reformation and Martin Luther and everything that happened and and we get so big, you know, let's attack the Catholic Church and all that. It's like, you know what? The evangelical Christian church needs to be under attack a little bit Mm. from itself. Like we need to be looking at ourselves and saying, are we really doing what we need to be doing? Yeah. Like it's one thing to have an outside perspective, look in and say, hey, this is what's unhealthy, like a doctor. Yeah. Sometimes we, we, we don't even know or care. We need a doctor to look at us and say, your cholesterol sucks. Mm-hmm. You are out of shape. Like you, you know, you're heaving and breathing heavy just to walk up three stairs. Yeah. Like th- you are not in a healthy place. And churches are that way. But also, I mean, how many of us are smart enough to know I probably need to put down the fast food and the sugary drinks. I probably need to maybe go on a walk three times a week. You know, like there are healthy things that we can do innately in us that we know we need to do. We just don't do. Yeah. And how many times do, and so I'm using that as an analogy. The church knows, oh, I need to be doing these things. And for whatever reason, we just don't. It's uncomfortable. It's too hard. Yeah. It takes more time. And so for me, like, I think a place that we lose our fizz is that. We, we don't want to have the hard conversations with ourselves. Yeah. It's easy to point out, oh, that church, that church, that church. And that's, uh, I don't think there's anything fruitful in that where we want to point out where other churches have maybe lost their fizz or not even lost their fizz. They're just their strategy of ministry is different than ours. And because it's different, we have to bash it because it's easier to raise mm. ourselves up if we push other people down. It's a soapbox. I can yeah. Churches do it. Christians do it, people do it, and it's sin and it's all bad, right? And and what's really sad is this. We don't push down ineffective ministry. We always want to push down effective ministry. So when we mm. see another church doing something different than how we would do it, but they're seeing 
success and they're seeing some fruit in it, we always want to push that down because one, it wasn't our idea and it wasn't ours. And so if we can attack their methods, then for some reason we think, you know, oh, then the fruit doesn't matter or the lack of fruit that I'm getting in my ministry is, well, because I'm doing it the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, the, the Lord wanted fruit. Now, how we carry out ministry matters. I'm not going down that road. Yeah, yeah. But when we're just talking about strategy of ministry, what's the most effective, fruitful strategy of ministry for us in this season? But we need to be flexible to be able to change that. And in order to be flexible, we have to be honest with ourselves to be able to look and say, maybe that's not the best way to do this. Maybe this isn't the most fruitful. Maybe we've grown too comfortable and we've lost our fizz. And a lot of times we want to add things Mm -hmm. thinking that that's going to get our fizz back. When in reality, we need to take them away. Yeah. You know, so it's not what do we need to do? We need to go through a, a, a pruning season of what do we need to delegate and automate and delete? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you need? Because that, that's what pruning is. That's where you have greater fruitfulness is, is pruning, you know, the vine instead of trying to add a whole bunch of stuff to it. Yeah. Like, but again, we don't want to do that because every ministry always has a few champions that love it. And, and we're always trying to throw, you know, life-saving measures on a dying ministry. And the real thing we need to do is just give it a good Christian burial, you know, <laughs> say a eulogy, pray over it, and, and just go on. Or just kill it. Yeah. And that's what I love about surfing. Even though I don't surf, I've tried once. You were really good at it. Yeah, and there's lie number one <laughs> on the podcast. Trying to be supportive. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, one of my favorite movies, Surf Surf Up. Penguin surfing movie right there. There's the spiritual undertones and truth that are there are phenomenal. But we need to look at ministry like that. Like we just need to catch the next wave. Mm. You know, now as long as the the core of what the ministry is, the word, prayer, fellowship, you know serving, sharing, evangelism, although that's the core of what ministry is. But the strategy is like surfing. You catch a good wave, you ride the wave. Paddle back out. And and then you paddle back out and you just do it again. You find another wave. But when we get so stuck in our ways, that's when we start critiquing. That's when it becomes our baby. That's when we can't shift. That's when we're not flexible. That's when we lose our fizz is because then we, as I used to say this in a former staff person, loved it. Uh, that's sarcasm right there. Um, <laughs> we need to marry the mission. But date the model. But date the model. And when the model gets ugly, you just find a better looking model. Straight from the mouth of our senior pastor. In every model, you just give her time. <laughs> she's going to get ugly. She's, you know, she's going to let herself go a little bit. We were doing so good. We were doing so good for so many weeks. We were like, oh, that was a great podcast. And I was like, <laughs> But it's true. I mean, think about you know, long-standing ministries that that's just what we do. Like you lose that zeal, you lose that passion, you lose the you have a good, uh, good answer for why you do what you do. Cause we've always done it that way. Oh, that's not a good answer. That's the easiest way to kill the church, you know? And so, you know, we were, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, even in our uh, college life group, we were talking in a similar context, like, you know, uh, think of the American church, broad brush. Here we go. Just the comforts that we have, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the the number of, just call it what it is, okay, complaints. The number of complaints I get because of temperature in the room. It's too loud. It's too cold. It's too hot. Too dark. It's too dark. Too... It's not dark enough. <laughs> there's too much haze. There's not enough haze. 
the room's too small, the room's too big. Yeah. There's not enough people. There's too many. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. You you take the preferences off the table. Like there's there's very little that we hear feedback on. Mm-hmm. It's all. It, it, I mean, and, and I'm not talking about Calvary Chapel either. I'm talking about my tenure of ministry in four or five churches, and I've been spectrums of you know more traditional, more contemporary, all across the country. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's you just that that's is the what, one constant, no matter that's what. That's the one constant, no matter what. So we were talking in the life group, and it's like, okay, what if we got rid of all of that? What if we got rid of the preferences? And what if you walked into Calvary Chapel and there was normal lights, there was no AC, you actually didn't even have a cushioned seat to sit in. Like, what if it was metal chaired? Yeah. You know, how how much are you willing to sit there and pay attention? What if the worship was, you know, not even an acoustic guitar? Like, what if it wasn't, call it what it is, in a talent way, what if it wasn't well? Yeah. What if it wasn't the you know the most moving thing like it and and the college was like do it do it make it as bad as possible make take take away all of those comfort like because we were talking about I think the persecuted church in other countries and how oh I I showed a picture on it was Voice of the Martyrs magazine and there was a picture of just a cinder block building metal roof it had a little bit of a front porch and then the rest of the building was one room and it was the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Yeah. And they had uh, just wood benches that you sat on. And the only light was the windows that they had coming in. No electricity. Yep. And I showed that picture and I said, you know, there are times that I yearn. Mm, absolutely. For that. Absolutely. You know, because. And, and and this is what's hard. I would love to ask that pastor. What do your people complain about? What do you, what do you handle as a pastor? Mm. You know, where uh, you're just reading the story upon story of some of those families that live in that um, community and what the pastor is dealing with. It's like, yeah, we, we really don't have time uh, to deal with smoke, lights, mirrors, uh, all those preference kind of things because uh, we're under persecution and attack. Like we, we have to keep our fizz. Yeah. And it's like, and so that's the thing where, So going back to the American church and, you know, we have to understand the cultural context that even we're in. Um, uh, So we get recommended on on Facebook every once in a while. (laughs) We do. We do. That happens. And and it it always kind of gets brought up to me like, hey, somebody was asking and and it's neat to see our people. Oh, you know, and and to hear our name. And it's good to hear other churches as Mm -hmm. well. Like, hey, and and that's what I love about it, is hearing people that are passionate about their church, even if it's not Calvary. You know, that's what you want, Yeah. right? What I don't like, and you'll see a few of these sprinkled in, you know, like... Greatest church of all. Yeah, like, well, okay. Sprinkled in like mouse turds and a really nice meal. Uh, (laughs) Is that pepper? No, no, don't That's not pepper. We don't need all of the flash and the lights and the smoke. We we this is what we're about, and I feel like there's such a paradigm, uh, 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 spectrum per se, that needs to be shifted. Where I don't know where we as the American church have gotten caught up in the it's either um, everything of preference, smoke mirrors, and how you present nothing. it. It's yep. or it's nothing. You know, like. W- 
why is there not like a middle ground yeah. where you can come in and, and we're going to have a worship experience and then I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to punch you in the teeth with it. Where for some reason we think because there could be a haze machine or there is some lighting stuff, that means they don't preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Or if they if they don't have the smoke and, the, and all that, and da, 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 then that means that there's not good biblical worship either. Yeah. And it's, and it's actually to the immaturity of the believer in that. Yeah. And th- I struggle with that. And I, and I hate seeing that. And it's like reason number 457 that the church yeah. has lost their fizz. And so, and, 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 and so at that point is the church operating out of not a seeker sensitive, but I was trying to think of it, of another word. Cause it's not the person that is seeking It's the person that's always been a part of the church, but it's a preference seeker. Mm. You know, okay, that's what you want. Okay, we'll shift that and we'll change that. But if like some of these preferences conflict with themselves and that's where I think I said one time, just like, I love that we at Calvary are a uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph type of demographic. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And where each segment, you know, older, younger, middle, whatever demographic of age and preference, you lay down your preference. Mm -hmm for the sake of how God is leading and guiding mm. us. And so both all, all parties involved have to lay down preferences and say, okay, this is what I'm going to be about. Yeah. And, and, and I believe that's an area that God wants to work and grow in, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, fizz as the whole church. So we asked that question last night, where do you think churches lost their fizz? And, and we get to, you know, certain ministries and then it's, um, you know, preaching got brought up, you know, is it, is it really the word of God or is it, you know, self-help Ted talk? Mm-hmm. And it was neat to see because these are college age kids and most of them grew up in the church yep. and, and one of them, and I'll be anonymous to save the person, uh, but was very similar to my heart. It's like, if you go to any church in America, it's pretty much the same snapshot, regardless of your strategy of ministry mm-hmm. and ex expression of worship. So yeah. you have the lights and the and the drums, or you don't. But you walk in, and there's going to be worship, announcements, preaching, maybe a little handshake and fellowship, and then yeah. you're going to walk out. Like no matter what church you go to, that is what we are presenting to people. And and the question that I would have is. So what, what's, and, and I think every church needs to answer this and a lot of churches do. And so, um, how they do Sunday morning, um, goes off of their strategy of ministry of who do they want to reach, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But if we're all presenting the same thing, do we ever wonder why maybe people have lost an interest in the church and why people are leaving the church and mm-hmm. vast numbers? And it's like, could we maybe present them with something else? that there might be a different strategy. Now, there's still, okay, we still need the word, we still need prayer, we still need preaching and teaching, we still need worship, but how could we do those things with a different strategy that might be refreshing, that might be a little bit more fizzy because it's it's different and it engages us in a different way. Because we are creatures that a lot of times we'll say like, oh, I just like things a certain way. There's mm-hmm. our preference. Or, and, and then we have the, we acclimate 
well. That's something God put yep. in our bodies. So when you jump in the pool, it's cold, but you wait five minutes and then, oh yeah, it's not Feels too bad. Yeah. yeah. And what do we tell people? Oh, it's not that bad once you Just get give it in. time. Yeah. Just give it time. Like, yeah, you're a sinner. <laughs> like, unless the pool is heated, the Lord doesn't want us in it. Okay. I hate cold pools. Get me passionate about something. But we acclimate to something. And then what, what's really happening is we're becoming numb to it. Yeah. Temperature of the pool never changed. You became numb to whatever it was. That's why hot tubs, hot tubs can never stay hot enough. Cold pools, you you acclimate to it. You just get used to yeah. the surrounding around you. And so the same thing happens where I think sometimes we need to throw some curveballs in there every once in a while um, to shake it up a little bit. Yeah, we can do things. And and then the other thing, the last thing that I loved was uh, an area that the church has lost its fizz is the overfocus on a Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah and it's like you know the church like if you took still... sunday away <laughs> which we Ooh. we had that happen did you really we had that happen when? we spent two years covid decimated oh, yeah, 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 yeah. sunday morning services yep. and ways that people had to pivot yep. and i heard lots of pastors mm. say we got to get back in the building. It's like, if your building's the only time and place you do ministry, you're not doing ministry. Yeah. Like, you don't need the... Is the building nice? Yes. Is yep. it convenient? Yes. Is it... Absolutely. Yeah. But you don't have to have the building. Yep. The church is not the bricks and mortar of the building. Yeah. It's the people. And that's the, that's the tension I sit in, like, because, you know, still new here, so there's... Um, a little bit of the, the wild radical side of me hasn't yeah. fully came out yet, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's, there's things that I struggle with, uh, in that because I, I, I purposely want to push some yeah. envelopes in that yep. to, to challenge, you know, cause people say, well, that's not because it's not this way. And it's like, go back to the scriptures. What? What are you seeing? I mean, even studying how the early church operated, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's neat to see and to, and to challenge those mentalities to say, hey, really, what is ministry? What is church? What is what's causing us to lose our fizz and what's causing us to become more fizzy? And I yep. think COVID did a huge number on us. And I can think of a, a well-known pastor that said, yeah, we haven't done ministry in three months since the building's been closed. And it's like, I'm with you. It's like, if you're not doing ministry without the building, then you never were doing ministry with the building. Now, your ministry might look different, mm-hmm. but... And that's okay, because the tension that I sit in is, you know, think of it, and I, and I hear this analogy, so this is one side of it. So let's say we're going to some foreign country and me and you are going to go plant a church in a foreign country. We would want to know a thing about the culture mm-hmm. around them. Yeah. You know, so if we go to this country and man, they love the color pink, and I've used this analogy before. They love the color pink, they love meeting in tents, and they love coffee. That these are big cultural things that are valued. If we were going to plant a church, the most effective thing to reach the culture is we would want to get a pink tent. And we're going to serve coffee. Yep. We're going to hit people where they're at, right? And so church in America, there is a high level of expectation, a high, it, it's a it's a small window of acceptability. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we compete with the entertainment value. Mm-hmm. We compete with that. So for us to, you know, 
to try to reach the culture and what they value, yeah, that's where you're seeing lighting and good sound and stage presence yeah. and, in, and, and engaging. And it needs, you know, the speaker needs to be captivating and nobody wants to eat dry cornflakes and as a speaker and be like, oh yeah, that hit where, you know, I had a professor, he was one of the driest guys in the world. Like he said some monster things if you could, you know, put up with, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, and, and that was, that was really difficult. And I, that was a transition for me, but because we are, so look at the culture in America, what is valued high, not in, you know, immoral things, yeah, yeah. but just that's, that's where we're at. And so a lot of churches look this way because we're trying to reach the culture. And so I see that. And that's what we should be as a church is reaching the culture around us. And then there's the tension of the other side of it for me is how, why do we even want to play that game? Mm. Because what do we like? I can't like as a student pastor, I used to think about that. I can't compete with what the world has to offer. Like, I'm sorry, there's no Bible study that's going to be more fun than making out with your girlfriend. (laughs) Heard it. Live right here on the, <laughs> on the breakdown. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like if my wife says, hey, there's Bible study tonight, or we can go on a hot date. But honey, it's it's Jeremiah. We got to go to the Bible study. See you guys next week, right? Yeah, exactly. See you next week. We're, I'm going on the hot date, right? We call our hot dates Bible yeah. studies. And so when we try to go toe-to-toe with the world, not just in entertainment, because I'm not saying that's what the church is doing, but when we try to go toe-to-toe in that, it, we're going to lose every time. Yeah. But when we engage people with the gospel, now, so you have both of those tensions, and then the third way, so it's not even a, a, a dichotomy, there's a trichotomy of it all. Um, then you take the Sunday morning component, take that out of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, like our strategy of ministry is we're far more focused on the believer and discipleship than we are focused on the person outside of the church and with evangelism. Trying to get them in the doors and then captivate them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so we we take more of a discipleship. We're gonna we're we're speaking to the believer. Now if an unbeliever rolls in, man, I hope they hear the gospel and and respond. Um, but that's that's going to be our focus, yeah. and that's strategic because for us as the, I don't want to call it an organization, but for us as the entity, the building of Calvary Chapel, what outsiders would think of as the church, yep, right? I don't want to have to try to compete with the world. Sadly, I have to compete with the world with believers, mm-hmm. which is a whole other topic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I want the church to be for the believer, and we're going to focus on him, disciple him or her, and disciple them up, train them, and and they, the the true church people are going to reach the outsiders because what what the world can't compete with us is relationships yeah fellowship yep grace mercy love and truth the world can't compete with that and so i think that's where we kind of miss it sometimes where it's like okay the churches we got to have big flashy lights big big worship experience awesome da, 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 and we think of all the things that we need to add to it, and it's like just keep pouring into the believer Keep giving them, you know, a space to experience and 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 to be with the yeah. Lord. Now, obviously, that can happen anywhere, but we want to provide a space that's like here it is. Um, 
And at the same breath, we're not trying to reach the unbeliever and create a space where we're going to compete with the world. And, and I've never big, been, been a big fan. And, and if other people hold to this, like, great, uh, rock on. I hope the Lord does a work in your church, but we want to be a church for the unchurched. Because mm-hmm. to me, it says, okay, if you reach them and they get saved, then you just lost your mission. Mm. then that means you need to hand off your people to a church that's focused on discipleship. Because if your sole focus is just to reach the unchurched, then then your evangelism rates should be very, very high. And you better not have a discipleship ministry mm-hmm. because that's not your mission. But if we focus on discipleship in the church and then allow the church, the people, to be evangelistic, which I think is far more biblical in it, then we don't have to have those fights of what we reach people with. We win them, you know, we win. What, what's the what you people, what you win people with, you, you win, win them, them with, too. You win them too. Yeah. yeah. So whatever we're reaching people with, that's what we're reaching them to. And so, and that's where sometimes we can get into the losing our fizz that every service has to be a little bit more bigger, greater, grander, louder, whatever. And it's just like, that's that's a crazy circus wheel that I don't think the Lord wants us to ride yeah. on. You know, just coming in, uh, strong worship, strong word, good fellowship, uh, uh, an opportunity and space uh, to equip, challenge, to build up the believer. That's that's the core. Now, what we have to say is there is preference. Mm-hmm. There is the way we do things. The strategy of ministry that we have is a preference to this guy. And, and it's not to what I want, but what do I think is the best for our body? Mm-hmm. You know? And so understanding that there's immature believers, there's mature believers, there's different ages, there's, okay, who are we going to be? Where's that Goldilocks zone? Like where's the most fish? And that's where I'm going to throw my net. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how we are. And so try and Try not to lose our fizz, but also understanding that, you know, Sunday morning's not it either. Mm, yeah. You know, so that's, I don't know, a lot of ramblings from a crazy pastor. No, I don't know if that's helping. Um, the thing I'm thinking of is, like, we talk about the capital C church, mm. and we talk a lot about the church, especially here on the podcast. It, it's something we reverence a lot. Like, the church is made up of individual people yeah. and the direction of the church by and large, for us here at Calvary, the direction is set by you. Mm-hmm. And we've said this before, like the things you say, the things you do, the, even the things you don't say and what you don't do, yeah. people are going to attach. Everything you communicates. Know, everything communicates. Um, and so for, and we even, we've started doing this thing post-service called One More Thing. Yeah. Just like where it's like, hey, here's the, the last thing. And so yesterday's One More Thing, you talked about complacency mm. and how complacency kills faith. And so some of even for me, what, I, what I've been processing through is where have I become complacent in my own life yeah. that I've lost the fizz, but I've become, I've used complacency as the excuse yeah. or even the model mm. of excuse um, that I run to offense instead of being willing to ask myself some hard questions. Ooh. Because like what we talked about in the church is... Uh, <clears throat> those complainers uh, that all they do is they want to point out and complain, but they never want to step in and, and be the solution that they yeah. never like at the, at the organizational level, yeah. um, peel the layers of the onion back enough. And you find a person who's not willing to do that yeah. introspectively within themselves, For sure. you know? And so even for me, um, 
last night, like you even asked me last night, like, Hey, you okay? And it's just like, I'm pro like, I'm trying to peel <laughs> back the layers in my own life. Like, yeah what are the things that I've made an excuse for or what are the mm -hmm. things that I have allowed to become the norm yeah. that I keep others at bay so they don't truly see that deep, mm. dark, hidden compartment where that's, that's complacency, that's call yeah. it whatever you want. Um, and the the place that I've come to is, um, this is going to sound very unpastoral, so go with me for a Here second. Here we go. Um, take the Word of God and the Holy Spirit out just yeah. for one second. Yeah. Um, Find an organization where the people are willing to ask first themselves hard questions and answer them honestly before they do that to everybody else, yeah. you'll find a healthy organization. Yep. Now, let's call that organization the church, mm -hmm. and let's bring the Word of God and the Holy Spirit back in and say, holy cow. Yeah. Where am I not asking myself hard questions, and where am I not allowing the, the Spirit to reveal, hey, dummy, yeah. that's an area where you got to let go. Yeah. Like, you have to carve that out. And and so think about where some of this complacency can come from, you know, in our own hearts, where I think some of the, some of the, here we go, some of the easiest ways that we become blind and losing our fizz and becoming complacent apathetic is in church work. Oh, absolutely. You know, and not just us as in pastoral that we're on staff, but even when I wasn't, yep. you know, we'd get so busy with the church and then we, but we never asked the question, is this really what I need to be doing? Mm. Is this really what the Lord has for me individually or even us as a church? Yeah. Is that the question? And, and so a lot of times uh, how this will come across, you know, so this is here, here's a little uh, behind the scenes for us pastorally and, and you'll understand where I'm going, but try to explain it for our people. Um, a lot of times the, the complaining will come as opportunity. Mm. Yeah, no, we're good. Mm -hmm. And so we'll have a lot of people, Hey, have you ever thought about doing this? Has the church ever thought about doing that? Because there's enough passion in the person to say, Hey, I'll go to the pastor about it, but there's not enough passion to start it to do it or and, yeah and so you've been in ministry for a hot minute a in, hot in, minute yeah in church ministry and it's not that this doesn't happen but i would say this is going to be the vast minority uh, when's the last time you heard of a church coming alongside someone's individual ministry that was just going gangbusters and said wow you're doing a great work let's come alongside you and help uh mm, i don't know that i but how many times do people come to us with ideas and tell us what we need to hey, be doing? Hey, start this ministry. Yeah. Hey, do this. Yeah. Like I, and, and that is honestly, so when we talk about the ministry of pruning, mm -hmm. um, so, so I'm, I'm a little moment of transparency. I'm kind of a hard dad. Like my kids would tell you that I'm a hard dad. I believe that for a second. <laughs> Ask him. <laughs> and I really am. And I've done lunches with your son. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when people are like, oh, just choose your battles. It's like, I will choose all of them. And I'm dying on every hill. I'm dying on every hill yeah, yeah. and I will win every battle, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and the Lord's doing a work in my heart in that not saying that's the way to be. It's just the struggle where I'm at. And so, uh, when my kids are fighting over something, uh, there's times where I, I don't even care to understand what side I'll just take the toy away that they're fighting over. Mm. And so when churches want to struggle through, if it's not a ministry that's actually set out in scripture that we need to have, 
and how many man-made ministries that yep. they're they're good they're doing a work if they're done in a healthy way i'll just take it out i'll just cut it out y- you know so like, let's just call one um uh not saying that i'm doing this <laughs> i already know Rick. example right if we're going to fight about men's and women's ministry who says we have to have a men's and women's ministry mm. But how many times do we fall into, oh, we're a church, we have to have this. Why? Because the church down the street has it. And it's like... We're not a good church if we don't have it. Yeah, yep. we're not a good... Like how, you know, like right now, like Calvary Chapel does not have Sunday school. Mm-hmm. How could you be a church and not have Sunday school? Oh, number one, I don't have the space. That's the easiest moment. <laughs> you want to drop a fat check? We'll gladly take it. But you know, honestly, like... If somebody gave us a building and it had space for Sunday school classes... With the conditions of you, we'll give you this building, but you have to do Sunday school? I wouldn't take it. I I honestly would even question if... even if that wasn't a condition, like, oh, here's our building. Do we really want that? Because, and again, how many times were buildings for churches built and designed for a strategy of ministry? Mm. And that literally set in stone, brick, mortar, concrete... You have to keep doing it. You, you have spent, to do the strategy of yeah. ministry because we spent the money to build a building this way. And what that just did is told the Holy Spirit, we are always going to have this. You have to operate within these parameters. There you go. Yeah. Because then what do you do with a bunch of Sunday school classrooms if Sunday school is not the thing? Burn them to the ground. Yeah. Which, you know, and then you could poke the bear the other way and say, well, you know, let's just beat up on Sunday school for a second. What Sunday school is now is never what it was mm-hmm. when it started. We've shifted and changed because... Um, we couldn't let something go that we loved so much. It was actually very evangelistic and an outreach. It was the church teaching English, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 They didn't know how to read or write. And so it was the church teaching that to, you know, uh, the poor around them as an evangelistic tool to reach out. And they use the word of God to teach how to read and write. That was a great thing. And then now when I think about Sunday school, like I don't think of that. Yeah, you know, and not to say that there's not a small demographic that could really grow and get connected in that, but is that the strategy? And so many churches compete with themselves because they'll have this ministry, but it competes with this ministry. And as you try to feed one, you neglect the other, yeah. so you go the other way. And it's like, uh, you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I think the church can be the same way that we're unstable. Why? Because we're fighting with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we're competing with ourselves. And and that's where that's where that pruning needs to come into and and look at the fullness yeah. uh, of what God's calling us. And then in the same way, so we're talking about the church, we need to do that in our own lives. Yeah. Where we can get so caught up in church work or what we think is good things. Like I've heard like, "Oh, I was, you know, we we're talking about Sunday morning. Well, I was there." And being there doesn't doesn't do yeah. anything like, but you know, we still have that little bit of works based. I showed up, I sh- yeah, and it's like no, no, no. Like I'm far more concerned about what people do Monday to Saturday as the church than what they do on Sunday. We're still kind of hungover from last night, but I showed up. <laughs> but I was there. I was there, like, and I love that. Glad that you are. But I mean, there was one time I was at a uh, I was speaking at a youth events they had this like big rally and like we had worship we played a couple big games and then we were going to go like an all-night bowling lock-in or something like that and there was a mix of just probably a dozen different uh youth groups yeah and then just community kids that you know you know that there's just a lot of non-believers in there and they've never heard the gospel before and 
but for me, I knew a lot of them came from churches and mm-hmm. from youth groups, and and they knew what was going on. Hey, my church is having this yeah. event, da, da, da. and the rally part, the worship and the message is what you have to put up with so you can get really cheap entertainment, yep. you know. <sighs> Tell me how I really feel. Anyway, so so we get done with worship, and they introduce me, right? And I just walked up, and I sat there in front of like 250 teenagers. Do you know how long a minute is? That's like a lifetime. Like 10 seconds of silence freaks them out. And I sat there for a minute. I couldn't do it. I've tried. I think I lasted like 20 seconds one time. <laughs> You're just going to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I sat there for a whole minute and I just, and I was just looking at them. They were looking at me like, what is he doing? And just sat there, I had my Bible just out on the little, just sat there looking at them. And I, there was a clock in the back and I let it go for a minute. Oh. <laughs> a full minute. Dude, it feels like a lifetime. It was so hard for me not to laugh and crack a smile because I know where I wanted to go. And I just, after a minute, and I said, if you're not going to allow this to change you, then why even say anything? Mm. I might as well just sit in silence. So same thing on Sunday. Like, if we're not going to allow Sunday with, with the the easiest way to engage in the word of God is going to church, you know, then trying to wake up early and make time to actually read this. And I don't understand what I'm reading. Like it, the easiest way to engage into the word of God is to sit under preaching and teaching. You know, if, if we're not even going to allow that to motivate, to move, to change, to transform, even in the littlest nth degree, whatever, if we're not going to allow that to change us, let me just sit in silence, Mm. you know, let's just save each other the time. Yeah. You know, better yet, there's the door. It's and, not even do Sunday. Yeah, not even do Sunday. And that's where we can get complacent and lose our fizz is that's what we think it's about. Oh, I went to church. That's a good thing. But it's, are we going to allow that to change us in our everyday mm. lives? See, I love the story of Phil Robertson. Oh. Duck Dynasty. Yeah. Have you ever watched his I Am Second video? Oh, Yeah. And so the whole idea, like he had, he talked about river rats, and that was a thing down there. These people that live on the river, and they're and they're poor, and they steal from people. And he 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 had a great distaste for river rats. Oh. and these river rats would they, these guys would roll up on their boats, and they would steal his fish, and that's how he was making a living before you know he became a multi cozillionaire mm-hmm. selling uh, duck calls. And and so he gets saved. He you know great story. If you've never heard his full story, it's a great story. But he he's talking about he gets saved. And he's trying to live his life in the normal everyday lives according to the word, mm-hmm. uh, just following Jesus. And and so he he hears these river rats, so he goes out there. He has a shotgun. So I'm gonna leave with the gospel, <laughs> but I'm gonna bring a shotgun because I'm not <laughs> stupid. I love. However, he paraphrased it. I loved it. He's like, I'm gonna leave with the gospel, but I got a shotgun because I'm not stupid. And so uh, he catches these uh, people stealing his fish, stealing his livelihood. And so he, he pulls the shotgun. And, he, and right before that, he's like, all right, I, I know the word says I need to love my enemies. And, I, and, and these people are taken from me. They are hurting my, my family. They're stealing from me, da, da, da. But I'm going to love them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this, Lord. I'm going to do it your way. So he pulls the shotgun on him and he says, because there was like, in a, it's called like a hoop net. And mm-hmm. that's what they would catch fish in. And he tells them, I'm going to let you have what's ever in that net. You can just take mm. it. I'm going to let you have that. And he goes, so th- I just gave them what they were after. He goes, so they 
pull up the hoop and there's fish and you let them have it and then they go on he goes i'm gonna let you go no no i'm gonna let you what's that he goes they never stole from me again mm-hmm. and why is that because he allowed the word of god to impact how he operated in his normal everyday life now don't walk around with a shotgun either mm. and point it on people there's a difference because yeah. you know who knows what could have happened in situations like that but i just loved how he's like all right i'm gonna try to do this your way jesus and so instead of, you know, getting complacent and apathetic and just sitting in Sunday service, like allow that to be uh, the recharge, the motivator to say, okay, Monday through Saturday, I'm going to do this your way, Lord. Mm. So what's that mean for me as a husband, as a father? What's that mean if you're single? What's that mean if you're in a dating relationship? How do you honor the Lord with your lives in that way? What does this mean for like in, in every little aspect? And, and the truth that we talked about is every one of us has an area that we need to repent in, that we have grown complacent, we've lost our fizz, and we've kicked Jesus off the throne of our heart, and we need to step into it uh, and repent and allow him to lead and guide. So every one of us has those opportunities that we need as we're looking at our life and say, all right, I'm going to do this Jesus's way. Mm. And, and go from there. And and if we would do that Monday through Saturday, then the ministries and the preferences and the things that we actually think we hold near and dear to us about what church looks like on a Sunday wouldn't be that near and dear to us, and we really wouldn't care as much. Yeah. Because we would understand, I think, from a true understanding of what Sunday is supposed to be and then what my life is supposed yeah. to be. But if, if Sunday's the only time we experience God in any way, I can understand where it has to be this way. And you have to have these preferences. And it's just like, but that's not the purpose of Sunday. Yeah. You know? And so so if you walk into Calvary and there's no seats and you have to sit on the concrete floor, thanks for coming to Calvary. <laughs> either one thing one or two things are gonna happen. Either um, either people are gonna leave. Cool. Um, or yeah, the pastor doesn't care about that. Or we're going to get a fat check to buy really nice chairs. <laughs> so Sunday but, when you show up, there's not going to be, <laughs> but if I, but I, I most likely not going to spend that fat check on nice chairs. I'm, yep. you know, probably gonna try to do something else with yeah. that, but it, it, it is a tension and, and it's a beautiful thing to sit. I, I'm one of those crazies that I love to sit in the tension of it. Yeah. Like, okay, how do we operate in the church of America with the expectations of the culture around us? But how do we, how are we different than the culture around us at the same time? That's, that's what we're trying to figure out. That's what we keep consistently praying unto the Lord to give us wisdom and guidance in so that we're, because the worst that, the worst thing that we could ever do as, as a church, as Calvary Chapel is to be so successful in the things that God has not called us to do. Mm. And how we think we're winning. Yeah. But we're not. And we're not at all. Mm -hmm. You know? Because even like, I think for me, looking back on my life as a follower of Jesus, the areas that I would define as success Mm. were not success. Yeah. Um, it's, It's the inconveniences. It's the struggles. It's the challenges. It's the truly walking with the Lord. Um that those moments have been the best moments ever. Yeah. They don't look like great moments. And, you know, you want to know what a a life being an apprentice of Jesus looks like? Be inconvenienced. Mm -hmm. Walk over to your neighbor, invite them to church. Yeah. Tell them about Jesus. I was watching a sermon yesterday. uh, Oh, from David Platt. Oh. So he spoke at... He'll wreck your life. 
he was at Life Church. He was at some. He was somewhere this weekend, and so I was listening to the message, and he said, "Oh no, he's at Passion. He's oh, at Passion yeah, City yeah, Church yeah, down yeah, in yeah. Atlanta." Um, and he said, uh, "We have sold you." He said, "We as pastors in the church have sold you a bad bill of goods that you can live your life as an ex uh, an expression of the gospel and never have to open your mouth." Mm. And he said. That's part A. That's part one of two. Okay. Part two is you have to open your mouth. Because <laughs> so many times I hear Christians, yeah. and he did this, and I was oh. like, oh, shoot. He did air quotes he to air Christians. You. The plat- air and he said you, you so many out. times Christians yeah. use their life as the example of gospel presentation mm-hmm. instead of having an actual conversation. Yeah to get out of having hard, awkward conversations. How you live your life does matter in the gospel sharing. And it's in two ways, and both are important. Mm -hmm. And so I'm 100% with them. Like, I think it was in the 1500s, a guy named St. Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use use words. words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, guy. So our lives do matter and how we live as gospel uh, uh, expressions for two reasons. Number one, it opens the door Mm -hmm. for the conversation, right? So people see how we live and it's like, hold on. You're you're living under a different set of values. And if we just looked at them and said, yep, you're right. Have a great day. Then we lost it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And and so um, I 100% agree with them without saying that our lives don't matter. Like, cause you can't yeah. just roll around and just preach the gospel either because the other way that our lives matter in the gospel expression or exclamation of it is it's proof that we believe yeah. what we're preaching. Yep. So if it, in, in, in one side, it'll open up the door for us to have conversations, but then that person who is trying to understand and learn, they will verify the validity of the gospel by our lives. Mm-hmm. So if we only preach and we never live it, then we actually are not preaching it. Yeah. Because if it, if that is so true, then why aren't we living it? And so we need both of those. Yeah. But when you try to remove the verbal aspect of sharing the gospel, we're just kind, nice people. Yeah. And and we're, we're... We're good moral beings. Yeah. And what are we really opening the door to? Nothing. Because moralism. Moralism. Yeah, exactly. We, we, are, we are opening the door to... Um, a therapeutic moral deism yep. Yep. where you have behavior modification, you feel good for doing good things, you feel bad for doing bad things, and oh yeah, God exists. <laughs> moral therapeutic deism. It's actually a real term that they use nowadays. And so we're, we're selling that to the people, and, and what we've done is literally gutted the gospel of the very core of what it is. Because... Because we, we want to live right, usually out of selfish means mm-hmm. because we want people to think that we're moral people. We we say we want to live in a way that people could verify the gospel, but the very thing that we don't want to do is what are they verifying? Mm. That you are who you say you are? Yeah. Or do we want people to look at us and say, oh, Jesus is who he says he is, and he transforms lives? Mm. How do you know that? Because I can see it in Jerron. I can see it in Sean. I can see it in Andy. I can see it in Nick. I can see it in whoever. Like that's what we want. Yeah. But so many times, we 
we, we spectrum it. We take it. We just, we're moral and we yep. never want to talk about it. Or we only talk about it and we actually don't nope. live it yep. very much either. So I, yeah, Platt, Platt wrecks my life a lot. I shared them with one person and she was like, nope, can't do it anymore. It hurts too much. And it's like, isn't it fun though? The, the burn, the, the, the fizz, you need the fizz. Cause yeah. if you've never, like, if you've never had that cold Coke, which if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the sermon. If you've never had the fizz, if you've never felt that burn, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know until it's like, Ooh, yeah, there it is. That was good. I'll take another drink. I'll take another drink. I'll take another drink. Yeah, it was funny at the college life group. A couple of them rolled in with McDonald's cups, and I was like, yeah. Here we go. Living out there. No, yeah, no, they just went to McDonald's. That's all it was. That's funny. Um, You're thinking. I I know. Just poke the bear. I don't know if it's a big, if it's a big bear poke, but I think it's the... The thing that always gets me when I'm thinking of like how, how quickly, because that's the other factor, how quickly can a church become a Sardis? How quickly we can turn. See, a lot of times we think it's this gradual, which in in a degree it can be. It can, it can, I think there's two tools uh, of Satan in that. It can be so gradual that we don't even see the turn. It's the frog in boiling water versus the slowly turn it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it can be, or it can be so quick that once that, like the abrupt stop, it's like okay, there's stability and it's and we we get accustomed to it quick. And so for me, just thinking through like how quickly that could happen Mm -hmm. in people's lives, and that's where we need to be watchful Mm -hmm. because that that was one of the main things that Jesus had against the church was that they failed to watch for it. And that's where we, in our own hearts, we need to know and be able to pinpoint like what you were saying earlier, um, our failure to see it, or do we even see that we've lost our fizz? That's actually a greater loss. Yeah. Cause it's one thing to say, Hey, I know that I, like I had a friend who went into uh, metabolic ketoacidosis. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, that just happens all the time, yeah. right? As, <laughs> it's a normal um, everyday occurrence. <laughs> and they had to rush him to the ER, literally almost died. Okay. But he didn't know he was a diabetic. And so he wasn't regulating any of his diet, anything like that. Until his, his body told him. And he about died. The endocrinologist walked over to his mom, shook her hand, and said, you saved his life. If you wouldn't have brought him in and he would have just went to bed... He would have been dead in the morning. Oh, like even when me and Sean went into the ER to visit him, yeah. like to go pray, like he was our close friend, like completely. He doesn't remember. He was completely out of it. Like it Goodness. was, we walked out and it was like, this is not going to be good. Right. So there is far more danger there compared to someone who knows, oh yeah, I'm a diabetic and I need to watch for this. And, and how many times are we watching for it or do we not even know and how quickly that can happen? Mm. Cause a lot of times we think, Oh, it's gradual. And so I'll see it coming. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. And it's like, that's where we need to be proactive where it's not even an issue of, Hey, you're going to be able to avoid the ditches and you're not going to, you know, you you'd be able to keep the car on the road. No, no, no. You just need to be watchful for it. 
that's going to be that's going to be the key yep. there and 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 how do we individually how do we as a church how do we raise the level of not just awareness but watchfulness and because that's going to take a few pericardial thumps to one another and even you know that's why i have a board that sits uh, around me that i believe are men full of the holy spirit that love the lord are passionate are strong mature believers all of them still in process but they we collectively have kind of covenant with each other like we're gonna we're gonna thump each other in the heart and they're gonna be that accountability to me that we're not going to allow this we're going to stay watchful in it and i think that's one of the the greatest areas of uh, ministry to that is the least talked about is how do you pull the veil down um so that somebody yeah. can see and be watchful of it and try to reveal that to them and so that's that was my hope in per se landing the plane yesterday ending the sermon was like like take a an honest reverent look at your life and say okay where's this at where am i not living um what am i not doing or what am i doing that i need to not be doing that i need not to be doing yeah what do i need to prune where do i need to pour into and and that's a really hard thing because you you might actually be further down the road than what you really are because we always want to give ourselves the most amount of grace yeah because we think we're so far away, and it's like, no, no, Jesus says, you're nearly dead. Yeah. You're circling the drain. It's it's actually more critical than what you think it yep. is. And that's always a scary thing to think. You know, you're sitting at the doctor's office and like, how bad is it, doc? And it's like, it's bad. You got two weeks to live, yeah, not yeah. six months. Yeah. And you need to you need to go to Disney World. You need to whatever. And it's like, and I think we need to take an honest look at our lives and, and see that and, and honestly repent in that. Yeah. Where... Where where have I made church? Where have I made Sunday? Where have I made any of this an idol? Yeah, and 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 in our own lives, and so always, always, always fun to get raked over the coals by Let's ourselves. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. So. Yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still spinning from from Sunday, and I feel I like I will be for a while. Yeah, and I I'm I'm okay with that. Now, now here's the fun part. <clears throat> so we have we there was Sardis. Yep. I think one of the worst of the seven. Yep. Then we're gonna go to Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Then Laodicea. And then Laodicea. Philadelphia, I think, is probably the best of the seven. One of the best of mm-hmm. the seven. So we're gonna get hopefully an encouraging word there. Yeah. Probably not if you're preaching. <laughs> wow. I'm just saying. We're not They're all preaching. thinking it. They're I just said it because I have the mic. They're all thinking it. Oh, and then Laodicea, which I think is the worst of the seven. Why? So there's kind of, I guess we can give a preview because it's not that, not that many people. It's the Bible. Listen. It's not yeah. like they. <laughs> yeah, not many people have uh, listened to the podcast or can read the Bible. Be either hot or cold or yeah. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That is very strong language. Very. And and we can talk about the cultural context of why he used that because there's something specific to Laodicea about hot and cold water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times people say, I would rather you, meaning hot, on fire, vibrant. Cold, meaning, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, so either you're going to Not be, the case. Not the case. Yep. Yep. So a lot, of, a lot of times you hear that, like, the Lord would rather you on fire, passionate from the Lord, or cold, dead to him. Yep. And it's like, is that really what the Lord said? Like, if you're not going to be hot, I'd rather be dead cold to me. No. 
But if you take hot coffee or if you took ice water and you set both of those out here and you just let them set and they do nothing. They're eventually going to be something become the same temperature. They're going to be the same temperature because of the influence of the room of the room around them. That I think is the great danger from the outside isn't the opposition or the persecution. The world's just going to let you sit and they know it's not the full on attack. It's just the, Hey, just exist. Little, Give it time. Yeah. Little by little, either we're going to take your, you know, your fiery hotness mm -hmm. and we'll be able to, you know, bring it down or you're going to be cold and we're going to warm you up to match us. And how much does that happen in the church? Oh, I think it's. So then if we are mm -hmm. vibrant on fire or cold, because think like on a really, really hot day, you want like a cold Gatorade on a really, really cold day you want a hot chocolate yeah. you know that's that's something that is it's dynamic and different it's distinct from the surroundings that you're in and that's why we love it so much and we as christians should be the exact same thing mm. but you know if salt loses its saltiness how would it be made salty again but it's thrown out and trampled by men so enjoy next week with philadelphia because it's about to go down here we go. Welcome. Oh. So yeah, that's that's I'm thinking through that, and then and then we jump into the, then we jump into it like the tribulation, the that the fullness. Now that that's Let's when it's going to yeah, that's when it's going to get kind of fun. Go, so. but yeah, so that's that's looking forward like with excitement, but also like Lord, what are you speaking to us in this? Yeah, and so as we've walked through every church, there's something there for us mm -hmm. right now individually even collectively as a church that, um, uh, I, you know, somebody at our church even said, like we were talking about something and he said, this is an opportunity for us to be who we say that we are. Mm. We need to look at every day that way. Yeah. Are not we, just one-offs. Yeah. Not just one-offs like every day, just like the church in Sardis, where are we prone to do that? But every opportunity, every day that we have, we have an opportunity to be who we say that we are. And so let's go out and be, Salt and light, let's be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Let's go be not just a living representation, but also a vocal invitation of the gospel. That's good. So that's good. Well, that's where we're gonna take a break today on the breakdown. Couple things as we close. Uh next yeah. week we are diving into the church of Philadelphia. So watch the sermon next week. Come back next week. We'll break down that beautiful brotherly love message it's just gonna <laughs> be so like nice be, so yeah. zenful it's gonna be comforting it's, it's gonna be so good wonderful it's not gonna kick my butt in any way <laughs> so we'll break that down next week uh we'll put uh sunday sermon in the show notes so you, if that's something you want to watch or listen to you're more than welcome to and then uh yeah we'll see you guys next week take care have a great week everybody